Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the first 10 years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the first 10 years podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin, and either when you're listening to this, when it comes out, it's Monday. So I I hope you have a great week ahead. Or if you're listening to this later in the week, I hope you had a great week. Um, But either way, I hope your 2024 is off to a good start. And I'm excited for today's conversation because this is one that we recorded at the end of 2023. So I'm finally glad that it's able to, to air and you guys get to hear it. So you might know today's guest by her Instagram handle careers by Chris, but Chris Lovell is here today on the podcast and I'm so excited. So if you follow her on Instagram, Um, you already know the value of her content. She has such good information on there to help job seekers land the job of their dreams. She is your HR friend, the person that you want in your corner, giving you advice. Um, she has such great content. She has over 350,000 followers. So I think some other people agree with that. So I was so excited to have her on today to, to share her expertise. So let me share a little bit more about Chris. Chris, founder of Careers by Chris, is a career expert at SoFi, certified professional in human resources, and a passionate career coach on a mission to help young professionals scale their careers, boost their salaries, and achieve their dream jobs. She's created Careers by Chris, a growing online community that reaches millions every month, providing people with the tools and skills they need to grow in their careers. She's already helped hundreds of job seekers and professionals land new, exciting jobs, negotiate raises, increase their salaries, and make sense of workplace benefits. I loved having Chris on. This was such a valuable conversation. Um, We hit on some career trends we think we'll see in 2024, what networking looks like in the new year, and how to stand out in the interview process. So there's just a lot of great nuggets of wisdom here. And I'm so fortunate that she came on the podcast to share more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris. And if you do, make sure to share it with a friend, share it with someone who's looking for a new job this year, connect with her on social media so you can get her content more regularly in your feed because there is just, she has shared such great stuff. Um, She's such a good follow. So, and I'm not just saying that I'm saying that as someone who personally follows her and finds a lot of value in the information that she shares. So it's definitely a good one. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris. I'm excited to learn more about you and all of the great advice I'm sure that you have to share. So um, let's dig into our conversation by walking through the first 10 years of your career. Can you walk me through what your early career looks like? Yeah. When I heard about your podcast, I was so excited to join and talk about the first 10 years, but it made me realize that the 10 years went by really fast. I cannot believe that I've even worked 10 years in the workforce. Um, And I feel like I've done a little bit of everything. Um, I was job hopping before I knew like job hopping was a thing. 
So when I was an undergrad at USC, I was studying policy and law. I had changed my major a bunch of times and I had an internship where I worked a lot, like 20 plus hours, 20 to 30 hours a week um, in contract auditing. When I first got the internship, I was going for an internship in um, transportation planning, ended up in contract auditing. And that transitioned into a full-time role as an auditor when I graduated with my bachelor's um, in public policy and law. And I did that for a time. And then I became a teacher. (laughs) So I did a huge jump from contract auditing and internal auditing. Um, I thought I wanted to be an internal auditor and I became a teacher. I went to school for that, got my master's in educational administration, and I taught at the high school level for two years. And then I jumped to a charter school and I taught elementary school, um, one, because that's the grade level that I wanted to teach. And also because it paid a little bit better than working for the district. And I did that for almost two years. And then I got into this competitive fellowship program and essentially became a project manager. I um, became what was called a management fellow and I managed projects. So I was like a project manager, project coordinator. And I did that for two years. And again, this was before I knew job hopping was a thing. And I made another big jump into human resources and I became a human resources program manager. Um, And maybe this is something we can talk about. I feel like I scaled in my career and at times it felt like it was difficult to get my footing because I was just, I felt like scaling really quickly. Um, But I became a human resources program manager and I managed early career programs. So recruiting and onboarding um, interns, as well as individuals who face barriers to employment. And after two years again, (laughs) and I know the study says like you should be, you know, job hopping every two years. I had no idea. But after two years, I made a lateral move um, and became a Human resource, human resources program manager, and I was managing programs, again, for individuals who may have faced barriers to employment, again, with recruiting and onboarding and kind of managing the day-to-day of those individuals as well. And that leads me to where I am now. I'm still a human resources program manager. I'm also a career expert at a uh, major national company, and I manage Careers by Chris, my business, part-time as well. That's amazing. So you've done a lot. You have a lot of varied experience. Has there been a common thread that you found through all of those roles? Um, This is probably going to sound really cliche. And it's just what's been guiding me through my career with the exception of my very first job as an internal auditor. And this is why I knew it was time to leave. I wanted to make good money and I wanted to help people. So with each role, I wanted to make sure that I was in a role where I felt fulfilled. Um, i feel like I don't have a quote unquote, like dream job. Like this is the one thing I was born to do, but I always wanted to impact people's lives. And I wanted to be compensated well, um, to ensure that I was able to care for myself and my family. And I always wanted to be moving in an upward trajectory. So, um, that's kind of what led me from my project management into my HR. I can see myself staying in HR. Um, but I wanted to always make sure that I had a direct impact on people's lives. I love that. And I always like to ask people too. Um, when I talk about the first 10 years of their career, what did you want to be when you grew up? Do you think that correlates at all to what you're doing today? Absolutely not. (laughs) From the time I, earliest memories I had of like, you know, career day and what do you want to be when you grow up all the way until I graduated high school. I never changed what I wanted to be. I always wanted to be a veterinarian. So I always had that heart to like help 
others, help animals, help people. Uh, but then I realized very quickly that I could not stand the sight of blood at all anyone's blood. And I was like, you know what? This is not the career for me. Um, so I actually ended up going into college for engineering and then graduated with a degree in policy and law. So I, I've been all over the place, but for the majority of my young life, I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. You still get to help people just in a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how would you just say, say that your definition of success has shifted from when you first started your career, when you graduated college to where you are today? Oh my gosh, it shifted so much. And I think it had to do a lot with my upbringing and the family um, dynamics that I had and their expectations. Um, so when I was getting my degree in policy and law, I was like, well, I'm just going to be a lawyer. Um, if I can't be a vet, I'm going to be like the next best thing is I'm going to be a lawyer, something impressive. I wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and this is why I kept scaling quickly in my career. Even when times I felt like I couldn't find my footing, I was like, how did I end up here? Um, I just wanted to have like an impressive title and make a lot of money and make my family proud. Um, and I feel like a lot of that had to do with titles and salaries. But now that I am, you know, 10 years later in my career, I'm in my 30s, I feel more sure of who I am. Um, my definition of success is having a job that allows me to, again, feel that level of fulfillment, but also have work-life balance. I want to be able to provide for myself, but also spend an adequate amount of time with my family and doing the things that I love outside of work, which is sometimes hard to find. I'm not going to lie. I used to be the person that was like, you have to be the first person in the office and the last person out of the office. And that's definitely not what I believe and not what I live by now. Um, so it's definitely shifted from like, a more what I would say is traditional mindset, you know, work hard, put your head down, do go, you know, 110% at your job and live in the office to, I want to be able to, you know, do well in my job and, you know, my nine to five hours or whatever my working schedule is and be really good at what I do. But I also want to have that balance outside of work. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that's a common theme I've found from talking to other people. And even with myself, as I've entered my 30s, it looks different today than it did when I was fresh out of college. Um, you, men you mentioned Careers by Chris, which is your um, social media handle. Um, so you have a master of really large following on Instagram. You have over 300,000 followers that you share advice um, career advice with, and you help job seekers land the job of their dreams. So tell me the story behind how that started and where that fits into the trajectory of your career. Yeah, it's interesting because again, I kind of hopped my way into it. So when I started my Instagram, it was a personal finance page. Um, I had graduated from two private universities, had a ton of debt, didn't have great like money management skills. So I had credit card debt as well. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to talk about my journey budgeting and saving money. And I did that for a while and I gained like my first 50,000 or so followers following my financial journey and did pretty, pretty well with that. But over time, what I realized is that you can only cut so much. You can only budget so much. I wanted to stop having the $10 conversations like, you know, don't buy an extra latte or, you know, sell clothes on um, whatever resale website. I wanted to stop having those 
$10, $100 conversations. I wanted to have the $10,000, $100,000 conversations. And it was mostly focused on women, geared towards women. I wanted to, yes, budgeting is important and having a great financial plan is important. But what's more effective and powerful is learning how to scale and increase your income. So instead of you know saving $10, how can you make an extra $10,000 in your career? How can you make a move in your career to get you to your first six-figure role? So that's how I made the transition into like budgeting and financial management into, you know, how you create a really spectacular career where you feel good doing what you do. And you're also compensated well for what you do. That's a really cool shift. I mean, and that's a huge following to amass, even 50,000 followers starting to follow your financial journey. Um, Have you always been interested in creating content and like social media in that way? I have for a while. (laughs) No one knows this, but before both of those, um, I was mommy and her budget at first. Like I was budgeting and showing things about my kids. And I don't really share my kids much online anymore, but my kids and my budgeting journey and careers by Chris. Before that, I had a completely separate page. It was about my traveling journey and how to travel with kids. So I was like, I do want to... Um, And this is something that I plan on sharing on my TikTok, create a stream of income on the internet. I feel like now is a great time to use the internet as a side hustle. Um, I feel like it's easier than ever. It's still a difficult journey, but it's easier than ever to become some sort of content creator. And even if you're making an extra couple hundred dollars a month on the internet, now is a great time to do that. So I always knew it wanted, I wanted it to be one of my sources of income. I just didn't know what niche I wanted to um, kind of specialize in. That's really cool. And you mentioned that you don't necessarily think that you might have a dream job, but you help other people find their dream job. So what do you, how do you like, I guess, define what a dream job is? Because I feel like there's a lot of talk lately about the good enough job or just like the right for now job kind of thing. Like what, what does a dream job mean to you? I always tell people, and I get so many DMs, like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I have a dream job. I always start with prefacing that it's okay if you don't have a traditional quote unquote dream job. Like this is what I was born to do. This is what I want to wake up every day and do because, and I just made a a post about this, passions change. I am the type of person who's excited about something different every other week. And if I follow that as what I should do with my life and my career, I would have changed and I've already changed my career a ton of times, but I would have changed even more. I'd be like looking for a new career every other month. So if you don't have a dream job or something that you feel like is your passion that you want to monetize, that's okay. You can find a job that you feel good about doing that you can, and people hate when I say this, that you can tolerate doing for a long period of time. You have to make sure that there is, um, you know, market demand for that role. It's something you're good at and something that you can be compensated well doing because you can follow your passions outside of work. I love to travel. I don't think that I'm going to find a job that's going to just pay me to travel all over the world with my family. Maybe if I became a travel content creator, but um, I love, you know, last week I loved gardening and the week before that I loved crocheting. Like those are not going to be my careers, but I can find something that compensates me well enough to follow those passions and follow those dreams and do the things that I love to do outside of work. Like I said, it has to be something that you're good at, something that there is market demand for, because you don't want to say, you know, well, I'm really passionate in, I don't know what's out of demand making VHSs or, you know, something that there's no demand for. So you have to be able to be good at it. There has to be market demand and it has to be something that you can see yourself waking up and doing every day. Cause even people who love their job, there's days that they wake up and they don't want to go to work. That's normal. That's part of the journey. So I really tell people to focus on those three things and also make sure it's something that you can be compensated well for doing. 
Because it's okay to have passions outside of work. You don't have to make work your life. And the one thing that, you know, you live and breathe is your job. I feel like that's something that um, at least I had been told growing up. Um, I don't know if it's like a millennial thing. I think the quote is, you know, find what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. That's not a reality for everybody. But you can find something that you can see yourself doing and that you're compensated well, and then you have a full and robust life outside of work. I absolutely agree. I mean, I grew up, it sounds like we're the same generation where you just find what you love and you'll never feel like work. And I'm like, that's such BS because it's still good. You can still love what you do and it's still going to feel like work. Exactly. I love this. And there's days where I'm like, I, I just don't feel like filming content. I don't feel like it. And I just feel like even if you're a doctor, even if you are doing something that really drives you and you feel like this is your your life's calling or your passion work, there will be days, even longer periods of time where you just don't feel like doing it. And that's okay. Well, I think it's an important distinction. Like you said, sometimes your dream job is the job that allows you to have the life that you want outside of work. And especially based on the season of life that you're in, if you have kids at home, if you're a caregiver, if you're trying to pursue a side hustle, maybe it is that good enough job from nine to five that gives you the means to do other things. And that at that time in your life is the dream job because you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to spend your entire brain power during the day so you could use it when you're not at work. Right. Exactly. So how would you, what would you say to someone who is looking to find their dream job? Like what's the most important things to look for? What advice do you give them? Um, especially when like, they're like, I don't know what I want to do. I think that's really common. I mean, I've, I've encountered that in my own career. So like, what advice do you give as like a starting point to making that step towards your dream job? Yeah. A starting point that I give people is to just envision what you want your life to look like and then start to find jobs that will help you get there. So what do you want your mornings to feel like? What do you want your compensation to be? What sort of life do you want to live? Even down to like writing. It sounds very, um, I don't know, out there, but like I have people go through this exercise where you write down what you want. Okay. So I wake up in the morning. Do I want to commute to the office? Because there are people I'm 100%. I love remote work, but there are people who love the idea of like getting up and getting dressed and putting on their, you know, business outfits and going into the office. Or do you envision yourself working remote? What do you want your day-to-day life to look like? And what kind of compensation is tied to that day-to-day life? And that's going to help you figure out what types of jobs you want to do. Also, what are you good at doing some sort of like inventory? Or I still have people do like the career, what is it? The career um, aptitude test and see what you're good at. And what do you pursue outside of work? What do people naturally say that you're good at? And what advice do you give to people that people are always coming to you for help with and see if that can help land you or guide you to your dream job or quote unquote dream job or the dream job for right now? Because like you said, there may be periods of your life where if you're a parent, you want to be compensated well for what you do in your nine to five. And that may not be your dream job at the time. Um, that's totally fine. So just envisioning what you want your life to look like, what that compensation looks like, and then also networking and talking to people and figuring out what types of jobs are out there and having um, informational interviews. I feel like people don't really talk about informational interviews anymore, but seeing what it's like and having a conversation with someone who works in these roles to see what is it really like working in that job um, and seeing if that's something you can envision yourself doing. But this is part of the important work before you start your job search that I feel like a lot of people skip because it's not the way the job search worked five, 10 years ago. You really need to figure out what you're targeting before you start going out and applying for roles because that's going to 
really direct how you write your resume and how you present yourself online, which is a huge part of your job search process. So envision your life, network, talk to people, see what these roles are like and see if it's something that you can envision yourself doing. And if you do land a role and it doesn't work out and it's not something that you love, it's totally fine to change and to pivot and to switch into something else. I love the idea of focusing on how it makes you feel because I don't know if we always pay attention to that. Like, how do you want your mornings to feel? Do you want them to feel slow and like relaxed or rushed and getting out the door and commuting? And I remember my first job, I remember I was like, I'm just not happy. Like this sucks. Like (laughs) it didn't feel good, but I don't think I had the wherewithal to like put words to what that meant and what that could potentially look like in my next role. So really having that self-awareness and paying attention to how you feel moving through your day to day, how you want that to feel if it's not where you'd like it to be currently, I think is a really important factor. Yeah, that's absolutely huge. And I think, again, it goes back to the season you're in in your life as well and understanding that seasons are going to change and what you want or need at any given time in your career will change based on where you are in your life. So I had this vision of myself when I was graduating college. I was like, I want to be like that metro. I want to put on my, you know, business outfit and hop on the train. Mind you, I live in Los Angeles and our transportation is not great, but I saw myself like hopping on the metro and going to work with everyone else going to work and like being part of that rush and that shuffle and doing something important. And that's the job that I had. I took the Metro. I worked for Metro and I took the Metro every day (laughs) to downtown. And that's when I had my job in auditing. And I was like, this is great. But now that I'm in my 30s and I'm a mother, I couldn't I could not envision myself having that be the start of my day. I need something slower. I need something where I can get to drop my kids off at school. Something remote is perfect for this season in my life. And again, it's going to change and it's okay that it changes. You can expect that it's going to change throughout your life. Yes. The only constant in careers in life is change. (laughs) You can guarantee on that. (laughs) So you give so many great tips and career advice on your Instagram and your TikTok. There's oodles and oodles. Like I can't wait to, to link it and share it with people because it's such a valuable resource. But if you had to pick, what's your favorite piece of career advice to give or maybe something that you don't think people talk about enough? I think the best piece of career advice that I've gotten and that I give is to learn to communicate your value. Um, And I think that goes hand in hand with networking. I feel like, again, when I was growing up, what I learned was to put your head down and like do the work. And, you know, that's how you'll grow in your career. Just bury your head and do your best. And that's not necessarily the case. It's about documenting what you've been doing and being able to communicate that with those who have the ability to connect you with your next you know, job or connect you with someone who might be a hiring decision maker for the job that you want, being able to document what you've done and communicate that value is so huge. And it's something that I didn't do when I first started my career. I was like, well, I'm just going to put my head down and get the work done. Um, and then when it came time to change careers or to ask for a promotion, to rewrite my resume, to create my first LinkedIn or update my LinkedIn, I didn't have that data and I couldn't communicate my value as effectively as I could have. If I had documented it, I tell people all the time, keep your brag folder or brag sheet or whatever you want to do, some sort of folder on your desktop, or I keep an Excel sheet now of the projects that you worked on and any metrics related with those projects. 
Um, and then practice communicating yourself and the value that you bring to your role, because that's going to help you immensely when you're rewriting your resume, when you are networking and talking to decision makers, when you are updating your LinkedIn, and when you are getting ready and prepping for interviews. So having that information, that data, those receipts to back up your claims. Anyone can say I'm a great communicator or, you know, I know how to manage stakeholders, but having that information at the ready and being able to communicate your value with those receipts is definitely um, a game changer. And it's been a game changer in my career and it's been a game changer in the careers of the people that I work with. I love the idea of keeping an Excel or I've heard of doing like a, a folder on your desktop or something in your email just so you have those handy. What tips do you have for actually communicating that to others when it comes to not just for yourself to kind of documenting it, but having those conversations with interviewees or interviewers or potential employers? Yeah. So it comes with practice. I hear a lot of people that are like, well, I don't like talking about my accomplishments. I don't like bragging. I'm nervous in interviews. It comes with practice. And the more you practice, the better you'll get. So practice interviewing with a friend or a colleague or a peer or someone you trust and having those few key like accomplishments or stories ready to go so that you can create your star interview questions. A lot of people feel like they have to have a different story or a different accomplishment for every single interview question. And what I show people is you can have like three to five really good stories based on amazing accomplishments in your career, and they can be utilized for a wide variety of different questions. And then having a career elevator pitch is going to help you so much when you are networking or meeting people, writing your summary on your resume or writing your about section on your LinkedIn or answering, tell me about yourself, having an elevator pitch about who you are, what you've done, and what you're looking for in the next step of your journey and practicing that elevator pitch as much as you can until it begins to roll off your tongue. It's the same thing, branding yourself in your business or, you know, brands have their jingles. Like it's the same thing or their taglines. It's the same thing. You need to have a tagline that includes who you are, what you've done and what you're looking for in the next step of your career. But again, like anything in career development and professional development, everything is a learnable skill, which is what I like to tell people. It seems intimidating, but everything in career development is a learnable skill. And the more you practice, the better you'll get and the easier it'll become in the future. Yes. And I can vouch for that because I've definitely done that for interviews or different conversations you're trying to prep for. Actually saying it out loud and practicing the words coming out of your mouth is so invaluable. It feels so awkward and probably uncomfortable, but it'll help you be like, oh, well, that's not the right word track I want to use. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like getting the words out of your mouth and like fumbling and jumbling on your own makes it easier when you're actually in those conversations. I was going to say as an introvert, I used to have to force myself. I was part of um, a management council and I forced myself to go to every single one of their in-person networking events so I could practice meeting people and saying my elevator pitch because again as an introvert I would literally panic people would be like hello I'm such and such and they have their like pitch and I'm like hi I'm Chris and I didn't really know what to say but again the more I forced myself to do it I got out there and I realized everyone's out here doing the same thing like nobody's judging me nobody really everyone's worried about themselves nobody really has eyes on me they don't care that much <laughs> um the more I practiced the easier it became and it's a lot easier online in my in my mind. So forcing myself to get out there and to go to those networking events and again, practice and figuring out what I want to say, what words sounded good, what didn't roll off my tongue was just invaluable. Absolutely. And I want to touch on the word brag because I think some people think brag is a dirty word or an ugly word or 
oh, I want to be humble. I don't want to say stuff like that, but it's not bragging if it's facts. Exactly. Just like, remember that when you're having those conversations, if you've done those things, if you've had those accomplishments, you have the the receipts to back that up. It's not bragging. Like you're just telling the facts. Mm-hmm. I know that reframe has helped me a lot in my, in my career. I'm like, well, it's not, I'm not going to sound like overconfident or cocky or anything. I'm like, because I did that. Like, yeah. It's not, it, it doesn't have to be a brag. Um, okay. I want to shift our conversation into 2024. So as this airs, it'll come out in early 2024. And I want to know what some of the career trend predictions that you have, what do you think is on the horizon for, for work and career and what things should we be keeping abreast of as we head into the new year? Sure. I think, unfortunately, we're going to see a lot of the same difficulties that we've seen in 2023. Um, But now that we've seen what it's like, it is great um, information and data to prepare for 2024. So it's a very competitive job market. There's, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of really highly qualified individuals applying for nearly every single role. So now we know how to make ourselves stand out, right? And also, um, the rise of generative AI and like chat GPT and all of the different AI resources and tools that people can use. I heard someone say that having a good resume is not like above and beyond anymore. It's standard because AI can help you do it. So you really want to focus on networking and building and establishing, but going beyond that and maintaining your network. So I tell people all the time, the first time Um, you're navigating the job market or your network. You don't want your first time doing that to be when you desperately need a job and you're acting out of desperation. So constantly be building, maintaining that network um, because I feel like that's going to get you a lot further than just a really well-written resume because anyone can have a really well-written and targeted resume at this point with ChatGPT and Resume Worded and all these incredible tools that I absolutely love to help you create a great resume. But so many people have it now that you have to really lean into networking and going that extra step in making those connections and um, maintaining those connections and providing value online. I was the type of person when I first got a LinkedIn, I ignored it. I absolutely hated LinkedIn when I first got it. But now I realize how valuable it is and how to navigate it a little more strategically. And I think there's some crazy statistic that some insane portion of jobs are filled through networking, through referrals. So really leaning into the networking portion, not just the, oh, I have a great resume that should be enough to get you a job. Because unfortunately, that's just not the way that it is anymore. Do you have any good networking tips, especially in today's world? I feel like it's like in-person events just aren't always there. They don't feel like it or authentic to people. Like how can people network in 2024? LinkedIn is definitely the place to be um, and joining professional organizations that are are geared towards the industry or the roles that you want to be in. So I might join um, some human resources or PMI for people who are interested in project management and networking with other like-minded individuals, because not only can they be potentially the key to landing your next job, they can have really great information on the industry or the role or the companies to, again, determine if that's somewhere that you really want to be. And then setting goals. I'm a very goal and task oriented person. So for me, it's like I will connect with, you know, two to three people each week that are in the companies or in the industry that I'm interested in, send them connection requests, start a conversation, provide value. And one thing that people have difficulty with a lot online is posting, (laughs) posting on LinkedIn or commenting on people's LinkedIn. Um, So start off with something simple like commenting for better reach or, um, you know, joining again organizations. There's so many niche um, 
you know, groups and organizations on LinkedIn that you can join where you can provide valuable information, um, share articles in the industries and the roles and the companies that you're interested in. So it's difficult, but it's like ripping a Band-Aid off again with anything with career development, which was so difficult for me as an introvert, networking, going on interviews, having some sort of elevator pitch. The more that you do it and the more that you practice, the easier it will become. And I took the same um, advice when building a social network. It's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off, posting once a week, posting twice a week. And the more that you do it, um, it becomes like second nature. So how can you stand out in the interview process if a great resume isn't going to cut it anymore and you're doing all the networking? Like, What can you do to set yourself apart in the application process as well as the interview process? So for the interview process specifically, what I tell people, a lot of individuals miss doing that critical like background research on the company or, you know, the role itself. And it's going that little extra mile to make sure that you're showing the hiring manager or the recruiter that you've done research and that you are well prepared for the interview. And it can take you a matter of minutes now. You can ask ChatGPT to provide the information that you need to be a well-qualified candidate for the role. It'll give you the organization's mission and vision and you know news about it. So you want to make sure that you're incorporating that mission and that vision strategically into your answers to a lot of the commonly asked interview questions like tell me about yourself. That's a great place to incorporate the company's mission and vision. Or when um, the hiring manager or recruiter is asking, do you have any questions for us? Making sure, again, those are tied to the company's mission and vision and showing that you've done your research. Ask them about their competitors. Anything that shows that you've gone that extra mile because a lot of people show up to interviews and they don't know a ton about the company. They can't tell them their mission or their vision. So going that extra mile definitely will make you stand out in interviews. That's so true. I I believe you shouldn't ask anything in an interview that you can Google. Right. Because to your point, it shows that you haven't done the research. Like it's great if you can ask a question that elaborates on that. Like, oh, tell me why your your vision mission is this, or tell me why you're doing XYZ versus just if you're asking a question you can Google, it's very apparent that you have not done done your research. Awesome. Are there any other trends or anything that you think will will occur in 2023? What are your thoughts on like remote work and hybrid and how that's going to continue to shape out? I am seeing a little bit of two ends of the spectrum. So I see less fully remote roles available. And I see, I think that's something we're going to see into 2024, but I'm seeing more hybrid roles available. So not something where you're in office five days a week, but maybe you're in office two days a week or three days a week. Um, and I think that that is a nice balance between, you know, everyone wants a fully remote role and, you know, nobody wants to go back into the office full time. So I definitely think that hybrid work is on the rise based on what employers are willing to give and the demands of, you know, the competitive job market of the candidates in the job market. Um, and I also see a rise in skills based hiring. So I tell a lot of people, you know, everyone thinks that maybe a certification is the answer to their problems. And I think certifications are great. Um, and it, you may not necessarily have to go back to school to land another job or to land a better job, but you want to be able to communicate in your resume that you have the skills needed to do the role. I've seen a lot of really big companies remove their degree requirements, which I think is amazing in um, tearing you know, the paper ceiling, but also being able to effectively communicate in your resume and in their interview and on your LinkedIn that you have the skills required to do the roles that you're seeking. So it's one thing to get a certification, but it's another thing to take that knowledge, apply it in your work, to work on some projects that really flex those skills so that you can put it in your experience section, showing that you have the skills required to do the job. Absolutely. 
So what's your biggest takeaway of your career thus far? I think my biggest takeaway in my career is exactly what you said, that the only thing that's constant in life and in your career is change and being flexible and adaptable is just so um, invaluable in your career, being able to flex and change with the times, especially as we've seen job mar- the job market change so much. I think over the last three to four years, it's definitely not the job market that you know was here when I first started my career. So being able to change and to flex and to um, just be fluid. And um, the other biggest takeaway in my career is that you have to network. <laughs> and that's just, again, for me as an introvert. Um, But networking is so crucial to career growth. I see a lot of people as I'm working with job seekers that they have, they don't have a LinkedIn, they've ignored networking, they're navigating the job market for the first time in, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. And again, you don't want the first time you navigate the job market to be when you are desperate for a job. So not only should you be networking, but you should also be just keeping your eyes on the market. Uh, You don't have to go 110% in your job search all the time because that can be mentally just exhausting. But throwing out an application here and there, making sure your resume is updated, making sure you're keeping your network warm, keeping your eyes on the market, knowing your market value um, is just so invaluable. Even when you think that you have a secure job, because we've seen in the past few years that anything could happen. Unfortunately, there's so many companies laying off left and right. Sadly, even through like the holiday season right now, Um, So you want to make sure that you are always ready to pack it up and move if worse comes to worse. So always keeping your resume updated, your LinkedIn updated, you're making connections, not only making connections, but maintaining your connections because it's so much easier to make an ask of a warm connection than it is to make an ask of a cold connection. Like, hey, I know we connected on LinkedIn two years ago or I saw you at this event three years ago. Um, I'm applying for a job. Can you help me? Not that, again, it can't work, but it's a lot easier to make an ask of a warm connection. So always keeping yourself ready um, and really being loyal to yourself and to your career goals because companies will do what companies do. And you want to make sure (laughs) that uh, you are able to continue to grow in your career and provide for yourself. Um, I know that was a lot of answers, but... (laughs) (laughs) Those were kind of my. It was so good. No, and I think I'd add to that that people are nicer than you'd think they are, especially when it comes to LinkedIn. You had mentioned in informational interviews, like if you're curious about a potential industry or job, send a note to somebody. Say, hey, we're connected, or hey, I'd like to connect. Like, do you have ten minutes to talk about X, Y, Z, or whatever you're interested in? And even if they don't have time to talk, they might like message you back and have some good input to share. And they're more, they're more like nice. I mean, I feel like I'm really skeptical in today's world that <laughs> not everyone has the time or they're too busy or whatnot, but you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help out people and give them the information they need, especially if they're really passionate about what they do and about their companies, like they want to share that information. So yeah. don't be afraid to, to reach out and ask. I think that's something that holds a lot of people back. Um, I've done some group coaching and people are like, well, you know, I feel, you know, X, Y, and Z, some negative emotion because I send out message requests and, you know, someone hasn't, this one particular person hasn't replied. And I tell them, um, people are busy, especially if you're working in HR, you're a hiring manager. I think it's so important to connect with hiring managers and recruiters. Um, But you shouldn't take it personal if someone doesn't get back to you and don't let that, you know, get you down or prevent you from reaching out to someone else. Because 
If you don't get a reply, it's again, nothing personal, has nothing to do with you, but you may eventually, you will eventually get that reply that could be career changing. So again, like you said, people are kinder than you think that they are. People are willing to give as someone who's gone on informational interviews and given informational interviews, there are people who want to give you that information and to speak with you. So continue to put yourself out there, even if at times you don't get a reply um, and just don't take that personally. I think a part of it too, you had mentioned obviously being on LinkedIn and network, but I we all have a personal brand. It's just how we're reflecting that too. I think it's becoming more and more of a topic of conversation of what are you doing for your personal brand? Is it your social media following? Is it a portfolio on a website? I think it's, it's something that you can do to elevate yourself among other candidates, especially when you're job seeking. Like, What is your personal brand saying about you before people even have a chance to talk to you? Absolutely. And I see more and more people, they're linking to a portfolio um, as well as their LinkedIn and their resume. And that's a great way to stand out. But even if you don't have your own website or portfolio, really building that personal brand on LinkedIn is key. What are people going to, like you said, see about you before you even have that conversation um, and making your personal brand outside of the companies you've worked for? I see a lot of people who are like, well, I'm X this, and this is the company that I work for. And they build their brand off of the company. Again, companies will do what companies do. So you need to make sure your personal brand is strong and you have your elevator pitch and your why and your own personal mission and vision. um, And you are communicating that effectively. Absolutely. This has been so much fun talking to you, Chris. I feel like I could talk to you all day and ask you so many like specific career advice questions, but I'd love to know where can people find you, learn more about you and um, learn all of the great career advice that you're sharing online. Absolutely. So I am at Careers by Chris on Instagram and I try and answer every single DM um, because so many people have helped me in my career and I really want to give back. So if people have questions, I'm very active in DMs or they can email me at Christian at Careers by Chris dot com. I am very responsive. If they have any questions, they can definitely reach me there. And I have a website, careersbychris.com. Everywhere is Careers by Chris. I'm on TikTok as well. Um, if they have any questions, they can definitely connect with me. I'm more than happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm honored. This has been amazing. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the first 10 years podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chris. I know I did. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening and share it with a friend because it helps other people find this content and really amplifies the show in other people's podcast feeds. If you want to connect with the podcast on social, you can find us at the first 10 years podcast on Instagram. You can find me everywhere on social at Danielle Doolin. You can send us an email at the first 10 years podcast at gmail.com. And I can't wait to be back next week with another episode. Have a great week, y'all. Bye.